Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. We are continuing our gospel series. How many of you enjoyed this? We've been on it now for about four months, I believe. And there's no sign of it stopping. Okay, we don't have an end date for this series. We don't have a plan after anything. We're just going to stay in the Gospels for as long as we feel God is asking us to continue to stay in it. And we'll just keep on going. And so that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to read from Matthew 7 in a moment. But if you weren't here two weeks ago, we are in this kind of collection within the Gospels. It's like a sub-collection within the Gospel series where we're really focusing on our discipleship as a church. We spoke about how many people don't like the word discipleship because it's a bit like proper Christian-ese word. And so we kind of rebranded it as growing and changing with Jesus. (laughs) Our daughter does not like eating curry, so we just call the curry casserole and guess what? She eats it. (laughs) Just change the name on some things. Growing and changing with Jesus. And we've been on it for a few weeks. You can catch up on it on all of our, whatever they are, you know, Spotify and different things. And I encourage you to catch up on these things. This is part three today, really, on this little subsection on discipleship. But a few weeks ago, we spoke about our three. We have launched three, which is you involved with two others or three others. It can be three or four. Well, we are, we are doing discipleship together. Okay, and so we're encouraging everyone to be in a three or four. And we're encouraging in those times, there's encouragement and there is prayer. Okay, and there is study and there is the word of God and there is honesty. And uh, it was so good. I met up with someone this week and uh, this guy is in his 70s and he's in our church. And he told me when I first, when we first launched this thing about three, he was like, oh no, it's not kind of my cup of tea. Anyway, last week he went out for lunch with a bunch of three of the guys and he says how encouraging and helpful it was for him. And so we really believe in, in this and uh, that discipleship isn't just going to come from one or two of us, but that we are all involved in this discipleship journey together. And we spoke about how Pete, Jesus had Peter, James and John. They were his three. He had the 12, but he also had his three. And there was a level of intimacy and depth with that three that was probably a little bit unique and different to the other nine. And really within it, there was transparency. There was this openness that he had with them. There was time that he spent with them, with all of the disciples, but especially those three. And the Bible said he would teach them. There was transparency, there was time, and they were taught in that time. And discipleship really takes time. We've been speaking about how discipleship is not something we microwave. Discipleship is something we slow cook. Sometimes you don't always notice the... The pinging or like the instant cooking. But over time it begins to smell different. And over time it begins to pervade into our lives and into our homes. And that is what we want this discipleship to be. And we're really excited going through this summer. And me and Ab said we shared about how we thought the summer would quieten down. We thought people would go away and people have gone away and yet the church is still full. And so it's great to see so many of you here again this morning. And um, let's just say September is going to be busy. But we have a plan. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 28, it says this. Therefore, everybody say therefore. I'm going to pause there. (laughs) I am going to read the next four verses, but I want to just pause on that therefore. Because 
Jesus is saying, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Whenever you see a therefore, it's because he has said something before. Everything Jesus has taught in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7 are all ingredients. They mix together and they come together as ingredients to this final passage of his Sermon on the Mount. This is like the concluding words. These are the final words he says on this amazing sermon. The most famous sermon of all time. That is captivating everyone who has sat down to listen to him. Everyone is captivated by every word. He is speaking with wisdom and authority and truth. And everyone is just in amazement at the words of Jesus. What's interesting is previously to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus has already, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has already healed the sick. He's he's already healed every disease. He's already healed the paralyzed man. He's already healed those who are demon-possessed. And in Matthew chapter 8, immediately after this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is about to go and heal another man with leprosy. So he's done a whole bunch of healing. Now he does his Sermon on the Mount. And then he continues to heal. It is wonder upon wonder. Healing upon healing. But it is not just wonder because the Sermon on the Mount, yes, it is wondrous in his teaching, but it is actually full of wisdom. You see, what you realise about the Christian life is that the Christian life is wonder and wisdom. It is wonder and wisdom. It is not either or, it is both. If it is all wonder, then we live in continual wow of this Christian faith. And if it is all wisdom, we live in this continual working out of the Christian faith. But I'm grateful that the Christian life that we live is well warning. It is, I mean, it is wonder and it is wisdom. It is healing of the man with leprosy and it is him sitting down teaching. It is him healing the paralyzed man and it is him giving wisdom upon wisdom. You see, Jesus transforms lives through his touch and he also transforms lives through his teaching. He touches and he teaches. He touches and he teaches. Many of us want to experience the touch but prefer to ignore the teaching. Many of us love The stories of Jesus that show the wonder-working power of his touch and his hand. But sometimes we might not always love the teaching that he comes along with. As a Christian, you can't just be all about the touch of Jesus and ignore the teaching of Jesus. It is not just the wonder, it is also the wisdom. So let's keep reading. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... And puts them into practice, everybody say practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down like it has done every day this summer. The streams rose, although I'm sure the water boards will tell us there's a hose pipe ban coming. How can there be a hose pipe ban? It's been raining for six years consistently. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crush. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Passage I'm sure many of you have heard. Maybe you heard it in kids' church when you were seven. (laughs) The wise man and the foolish man who built his house on the rock and one who built his house on the sand. Many of you have heard this phrase, practice makes... Practice makes perfect. But practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. If practice made perfect, like we would be committed to it, but we realize that practice doesn't always make perfect. But practice does make permanent. Bad practice and good practice... If you, if you practice good and bad long enough, how many of you know you will make it permanent? Some of you guys witnessed that on Friday night when you saw Stu Innes' his golf swing. <laughs> or my golf swing. I've been playing golf for many years at a very high level. <laughs> I'm a hacker. <laughs> and I do my best, but my swing has become permanent. And every time someone who is excelling at golf looks at my swing, they kind of put their head in their hands because I've been doing it so long and so wrong (laughs) for so many years now, it is really hard for me to change it. Recently, somebody tried to change my grip with my golf swing because they're like, you got it all wrong and and it just does not feel right. And so I've ignored their instruction. Because my practice is made permanent and so I prefer to hit and <laughs> slice it and, because that's what I have been doing for so long because practice makes permanent. And my encouragement over the past few weeks is to make the life and the teaching of Jesus permanent in our lives. That's why we're taking our time with this series. We're not just doing it for four weeks, then we move on to the next one or the next one. No, we're taking our time because we are making this permanent in our lives. This is not just temporary because we need it. Because true discipleship is the discipline of decisions that honour God. True discipleship is the discipline of decisions that consistently honour God. Anyone can make a good decision on a one-off. But to make good decisions consistently is also a true sign of discipleship. And Jesus helps us to make good, consistent decisions that help us mature in our faith and ultimately become more like Christ. I can make one decision this week and it might be a Christ-like decision But if I don't keep practicing that decision over a long period of time, it's amazing how it becomes temporary and I can ignore that and I can move on to something else. I remember seeing the disciplines of my parents in my home, spiritual disciplines now. 
Every morning, without fail, my dad would be in the same chair at the same time and he would be reading the word and I would hear him praying and he would wake me up with the speaking of tongues every single morning. It was a discipline in his life that ultimately helped shape the decisions for his life. Some of us wonder why are our decisions all whack is because our discipline is whack. Why are our decisions all over the place is because we don't have the discipline to make good decisions consistently. And that is what we are encouraging on this discipleship journey. There are consistent good decisions that are rooted where? From the word of God. And so when it comes to our relationships, dating and in marriage, we're not just making decisions that feel good in the moment. We are making decisions that are rooted in the truth of God's word. And if I can make that week in, week out, if I can honour my wife week in, week out, if I can love her week in, week out, if I can, you know, listen to her (laughs) week in, week out and love her like Christ loved the church and I was going to say submit to her, but the Bible says she should submit to me. Um, I'm just joking, 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 guys. Chill out. We're not going there like last week. We're moving on. You get my drift. It is the discipline of decisions. And Jesus is using this passage of scripture, this parable, to really share what it is to make strong, wise decisions that ultimately build strong lives, strong families, strong churches, strong communities. Guess what? Strong societies. Guess what? Strong cities. Strong towns. Guess what? Strong nations. It's no coincidence the strength of a nation will be parallel to the strength of somebody's life. It is the collection of lives that make the nation. Just because the economy might be good doesn't mean the nation is strong. Sometimes we wonder, man, the UK is in such disarray and you sometimes trace it back because the discipline of decisions have drifted from the word of God to other things. And now we wonder, why we have this? Why do we have so many prisons full? Why do we have so many rates of this? Why do we have so many young people struggling with this? And I'm not pointing a finger or judging because it's life is hard. (laughs) But surely some of it comes down to a nation's commitment To honour the decisions that honour Jesus Christ. And he's using the parable of these builders. Now I am the worst builder in the world. And I don't exaggerate when I say that. I generally think I probably am the worst builder in the world. When I say builder, that's a phrase. I'm talking DIY. (laughs) Okay. If something needs hanging, abs will do it. If something needs building, abs will do it. She is way more skilled than I am. I cannot hang a picture frame. And I was thinking about it this week. There is is a reason why I am not good at those things. And there is a reason why some of you are good at those things. Number one, I was never taught. And so it's their fault. (laughs) My dad's fault. My teacher's fault. It's the government's fault. Okay. I was never taught. And and honestly, I, I wasn't really taught. It wasn't something that happened in our home. So I never saw it. At school, yeah, we built like things with wood, but we never really learned how to do proper, good old DIY. So I was not taught. And as a result, I never practiced. I never practiced. 
Now, I could have taught myself, so being taught is an excuse. And especially these days, people are self-taught by YouTube and they just learn how to, I don't know, build cars. How do you do it on YouTube? Build a house, do you on YouTube? You know, you know. But I never practiced it. So Jesus teaches this parable. And why Jesus teaches it is, is in parables is because he's not just passing on an abstract concept. He's not just passing on information. He wants us to help the change. He wants us to help us change the way that we understand God. He wants us to help us change the way that we understand ourselves and the world, which ultimately impacts the way we live our lives. And so every parable Jesus speaks has that importance to it. And so Jesus teaches us so that we can practice it. I can't remember 90% of the maths that I was taught in school. I can't remember 90% of the science I was taught in school. Sometimes I remember certain elements of the periodic table. Oxygen. O2. Carbon dioxide. CO2. Iron. FN. FE, of course, just testing you. (laughs) Sodium. Of course. Potassium. Okay, that's it. It's really helpful to learn the, you know, the periodic table of potassium in your daily life. It just really helps putting the kids to bed and making decisions in boardrooms. But you know what? Keep going on, education system. Now, I can't remember that, which is why I'm not a mathematician or a scientist. Some of you are accountants, some of you are involved in finance, and therefore the maths that you learn in school is probably helpful. Some of you are doctors, some of you work in labs, some of you work in biology, chemistry, physics. Therefore, some of the science that you learn in school is helpful. But for others of us, we haven't practiced it, therefore we've struggled to remember it. But when it comes to the word of God, how many of us do our best to remember it? It is why if you have kids now in this room, they are probably somewhere in this building. Don't worry, they are being looked after. And they will be learning scripture. Memory verses. That when I was in kids church, you'd get a sweet four. Or you'd get some form of reward. Not sure if we do that these days. Are we rewarding rewarding people with the word of rewarding people with the word of God? Perhaps. Yes? We are? Good. Fantastic. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Here you are. Because as somebody memorizes it, how many of you know they end up speaking it out? Because if I can remember it, then I can practice it. But if I cannot remember it, I have no opportunity to practice it. And if I can practice it, it can become permanent in my life. You see, what builders do, builders, true builders, build permanent things. And they build things that last. Remember when I was a kid, my dad, my mum and dad getting the driveway done in the front of our house. And they didn't choose builders, they chose cowboys. And the cowboys did a very cheap job over a very quick time to lay tarmac. And within literally eight days, it was sinking 
Why? Because they weren't true builders. And so in this parable, we have two men. One is wise and one is foolish, Jesus says. A couple of things about this parable that I think it's worth parable that I think it's worth noting. The first thing is this. Both builders are building a house in the same circumstances. Okay? You've got Mr. Wisdom over here, you've got Mr. Foolish Man over here, but they are both building houses in the same circumstances. The rain came for both builders. The streams rose for both builders. The winds blew for both builders. Therefore, wisdom does not always prevent you from every storm. Just because you are Mr. Wise doesn't mean the storm is going to pass you by. Storm has no consideration for wisdom. Cancer has no consideration for wisdom. Turmoil in family, turmoil in finances, turmoil in business is not bothered how wise you are. It will blow against your house no matter how wise you may be. Thank you for those of you that have also prayed for my mum this week and asked about my mum. She had treatment for her cancer on Monday. And so I was down with her on Monday and she came out on Tuesday and so far so good. So thank you for those of you that have been praying into that. For those of you that have asked, talking about cancer. And so wisdom does not always prevent every storm, but it can keep you standing within the storm. Now sometimes foolishness does create storms. (laughs) How many of you know that? Sometimes a bad decision... And consistent bad decisions and the winds blowing a little bit more than it was last week. And sometimes you trace it back and it'd be good to blame him, her, that, them. But sometimes liability lies with us. I did a poor decision and I'm having to deal with the consequences of that. And so sometimes foolishness creates the storm through poor decisions, but also I want to say this, it will be wisdom that gets you out of it. It will be wisdom that helps you move out of that place. Years ago, I taught a message called Safe and Sound Teaching, has how Jesus doesn't just save us, but he also helps make us sound. Doesn't just rescue us from the sea, but he actually takes us to dry land. Safe and sound, and there is this thing that Jesus is here to save us, but he is also here to make us sound in the decisions and the life that we build. But both of these builders, notice this, have to build with the same circumstances. Second thing I think it's worth noting from this parable is this, that both builders build houses. It's not like one can't make a start, they both build. And both houses are complete They both have good intentions, Mr. Wise Man and Mr. Foolish Man. Both of them finish their houses. Why? Because foolishness still gets some stuff done. (laughs) You can be a fool and still make things happen. It just doesn't always last very long. (laughs) Both had windows. Both had a roof. Both had a hot tub in the back. (laughs) Both looked the part. 
And we can all look the part, all of us, every single one of us can look the part until something happens. All of us can look like we have our house in order until the wind, the rain and the streams begin to rise. And it is when something happens that you have to dig deep into what you have learnt and what you have practiced. Some of you are like, well, nothing's happening right now and you're kind of coasting on this wave. You're kind of surfing and enjoying the momentum of life and that is good and pray that lasts and continues. But the reality is we will face trials. We will face trouble. We will face challenges. They are inevitable at some point sooner rather than later. And I don't want to be depressing with that, but all of us, things happen. And it is in those times that you have to look and dig deep into what you have learned and into what you have practiced, because that is what will help you withstand what is actually hitting your life at that time. It is why teams call, have it called pre-season training. Pre-season training is preparing you for games in the winter. Preparation in the Brecon Beacons with the British Army is training British soldiers for the front line. We all want to play, but few of us want to practice. It's a coincidence that I'm speaking this message in or at the end of preseason for many sports, football being one. And because your decisions next week might not determine where you'll finish next May, there will be wins and there will be draws and there will, we will be losses. But the practice that I'm putting in now in preseason is going to help me in the long run. And so both of these guys are building houses, but it is when something happens What happens to our house? Because the reason we prefer to play rather than practice is because practice doesn't get the adrenaline going. Practice doesn't get the the crowds into the stadium. Practice doesn't look as good without the lights and the camera and the action. But practice on a Monday morning, practice on a Tuesday night, Practice on a Sunday morning when you don't want to be here. Practice here, there, whenever prepares you for the game. Revision prepares you for the exam. Marriage preparation prepares you for the marriage. Teaching prepares you for the test. And it is the practice that enables you to play at a higher level. And there are a lot of Christians who just want to play, but they don't actually want to practice. They want to play on a Sunday and high five and go home and do whatever they want, but they don't necessarily want to put in the practice of discipleship day in, day out, week in, week out. But when something happens, what happens to our houses? Jesus is saying, practice what I'm teaching you because this is a new day. This is a new standard. This is a new kingdom. And you can learn it But just because you are learning it doesn't mean you are practicing it. Just because you are learning it doesn't mean you are practicing it. James chapter 1 puts it like this in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word 
and so deceive yourselves. What does it say? Do what it says. He's saying practice what it says. Next verse. For anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets, that rings a bell, what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be what? Blessed in what they do. You can have a BA, a BSC, a DPT, a BAPE, ABTRQP at the end of your name. But until you start using it and gaining experience with it, it will just be knowledge. It will just be learning. Until you learn stuff in that classroom and begin to practice it, until you learn stuff in the Word of God and begin to practice it, until you learn it's better to love your neighbor and start practicing it, you know, won't know the difference that makes. Until you learn what it is to be generous and start practicing it, you don't, won't know the difference generosity will make. Until you learn what it is to pray and seek the Lord and practice it, you won't know the difference that it makes. Until you learn what it is to love your enemies and practice it, you won't know the difference that it makes. For we all like to amen. But how many of us like to act upon the amen? Because not many of us see you acting upon the amen. That is between you and God. And that's how it should remain. You don't have to Instagram every time you buy someone a sandwich. You don't have to tell the world on Facebook, the last, you know, yesterday, how you forgave your friend from 20 years ago. Just do what it says. Forgive them between you and God. Because education teaches you the theory, but it is life that gives you the experience. And it takes time. It is process and it is time. It is process and it is time. Because really what I'm talking about and really what Jesus is talking about in this whole parable made, and what he's majoring on is the foundations. He's talking about the foundations. Because he's basically saying, the wise builder learned what it was to properly build. The foolish builder, quick as they could, got their bricks and started building on the sand but the wise builder look what it says in Luke 6 48 in fact I won't go it on the screen it says this in the other the same passage but in the different gospel it says the wise man dug down deep how many of you know you need a hard hat when you dig down deep Mr. foolish man he ain't digging down deep nothing's landing on his head but when you're digging down deep dealing with rock He dug down deep and he was cutting and he carved the rock. That takes time. And you probably looked at the foolish man over here. He probably wasn't called Mr. Foolish. He's called Frank. And Frank is going up, man. Like he's got bricks up, windows in. He's like starting landscaping. 
People are walking by going, look at Frank's building, man. Frank, Frank is the man. And then you've got Mr. Wisdom here. Let's call him William. And like, William's not even started. Can't even see where William is. All we can see is a big hole in the ground. But look at Frank. Frank, bravo. William, I'm not even sure when he's going to get going. What they don't realize is that William is underground. Digging down deep. The foolish man didn't take the time and simply laid his house on the sand. But one, Mr. Wisdom, his house for weeks is below ground and nothing is happening. Nothing seems to be appearing. Because if you want to go up, you've got to go down. Many of us want to go up, but aren't prepared to go down. What does it say in the book of Philippians? Jesus, what? Humbled himself. So therefore God would, what? Exalt him. If you want to be risen, you've got to know what it is to go deep. Discipleship takes time. Slow cooked. Because foundations are ultimately built on the truth of God's word. Truth that stands the test of time and truth that stands the test of storms. Because when you build your house on the pillars and the truth, wind will come and guess what? The pillars remain. They go through stress tests. They even have earthquake tests. Can it withstand this earthquake? Can it withstand this wind? When it is built on a true foundation, that building stands. And our faith will fall. And our faith and our convictions will collapse. And our soul will shake if it is not grounded in and grounded on the truth of who God is. But it is truth that stands the test of time and the test of storms. And I encourage you, when you hear the truth, use it. Don't just amen it, use it. Don't just amen and agree with it, amen and act upon it. Notice Jesus says this, I'm drawing into a close final minute. Notice Jesus says this, he who what, hears these words of mine. Jesus says, he who hears these words of mine. And and when I read that, I mean, I've read it many times before, but I loved it because It doesn't say, he who takes these ideas of mine. It doesn't say, he who takes the opinions of mine. It doesn't say, he who takes the sound bites of mine. No, it says, he who takes these and hears these words of mine. You see, some words will have the appearance of truth, but they are not true. They are false. But you see, the thing with Jesus that we've been teaching for weeks now, John chapter 1, remember when we went through that gospel, what does it say? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Full of grace and full of truth. 
In the beginning was the Word. You see, Jesus, the Word, is the Alpha and the Omega. It is tried and it is tested. The Word of God and the Word of Jesus and Jesus Himself, who is the Word, He isn't a fad or an opinion or a real. It is the truth of the nature of God. He is the truth of the nature of God manifested through the Son, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and reaches deep into the disciples' hearts and reaches deep into our hearts today. Which is why this whole thing is long haul. If you just become a Christian, we've had over 200 people make a first time decision for Jesus since May 2022. Come on, give a round of applause for that. Praise God. Every week people are responding to the gospel. This is long haul. And we're with you on the long haul. And this will take as long as it takes. And the reality is we're never going to make it. We're never going to master it. We're never going to get a PhD in Christianity. We're all students till the day that we die. It's only in heaven do we get to experience what it is to live in the perfection of our saved beings, our salvation of our souls, our fully sanctified beings in heaven with Christ. Hallelujah, what a day that will be. But up until that moment, every day we rely on the truth of God's Word. Every day we stand on the truth of His Word. And yes, we will make mistakes. And yes, we will say the wrong thing. And yes, we will make the wrong decision. And yes, we will get angry when we should have not. And yes, we will say something when we shouldn't have done. And yes, 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 daily, weekly, monthly and annually. But you keep going back to the Word of God for forgiveness for hope, for revelation, for truth in Jesus' name. You see, tomorrow, Jesus will heal a man with leprosy. But today, he's teaching truth. We're just sitting on a mountainside, listening. Might not be as wondrous, might not be as magical. It's a little bit more mundane. But tomorrow, if you follow him long enough, hey, you'll see, the, you'll see him heal the man with leprosy. But today, receive the truth. Don't despise one for the other don't despise one for the other and I want to say this and especially to some of the young people our amazing youth who are sat down on the front row you know sometimes people talk about Christianity it's the most amazing adventure you'll ever be on it is a roller coaster ride sometimes let me tell sometimes being a Christian is like pretty boring and when I say that I don't mean like derogatory I'm just saying sometimes like some days will just be like nothing days and you'll pray and hear nothing You'll worship and not feel anything. You'll go to church and it was like, all right. <laughs> you go to youth, always good at youth. But sometimes it's a little bit mundane. Sometimes it's not always the gathering last week. Sometimes it's not always Sunday morning. Sometimes it's not always, <sighs> Sometimes it's Leviticus chapter six. <sighs> Fall asleep. <laughs> but keep doing it. And go through Leviticus 11 and 1 Samuel 8 and Psalm 16 and Proverbs. And keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. Because not every day, hear me when I say this, not every day is a raising the dead kind of day. Some days are sitting on a mountainside listening to the truth of God's word. But it is preparing you for something. It is building something in you. And so don't just receive the word, 
Don't just receive the good, the tasty stuff. We've got to take the chewy, not so tasty stuff. Why? Because it all helps us remain standing when life gets hard. Because the reality is life does and life will get hard for all of us in this place. When it does, it is the truth of his word and the truth of who he is that will keep us standing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet.